The Inside Learning Podcast is brought to you by the Learnovate Center. Learnovate's research explores the power of learning to unlock human potential. Find out more about Learnovate's research on the science of learning and the future of work at learnovatecenter.org. Welcome to another episode of the Inside Learning Podcast. This time we are joined by Learning Lead, Senior Researcher with the Learnovate Center in Trinity College, Dublin. Janet Benson, welcome back to the show. Thanks a million, Aidan. Lovely to be here. It's great to have you back on the show, Janet. And I love the topic we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about onboarding. And in a time where people are struggling with hybrid working, where we're struggling with multi-generational workforces, where we're struggling with how do we manage digitization or transformation within an organization, onboarding is something that often slips through the cracks. How do you onboard well? What is onboarding and how do you onboard in a hybrid environment? They are some of the topics we're going to talk about today. But Janet, I thought we'd start off talking about what is onboarding to get everybody onto the same page to begin with. Yeah, to get everyone on board. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, onboarding really we're talking about here is the onboarding of new employees into an organization. Now, there's lots of different kinds of onboarding. But, you know, some people will be using terms like orientation or induction. But essentially, you know, it's the process of helping new hires adjust to the social and performance aspects of their new roles um, as quickly as possible, because obviously organizations want to get people up and running as as quickly as they can. And that particular definition around the um, social and performance aspects, I think, is really important because it includes that social element that can be sometimes left out of an onboarding experience even like if it's not a remote onboarding experience sometimes even in in you know in person that kind of social element can be can be left out um but I guess there's lots of different elements to onboarding from completing you know required training that people have to do filling in forms all the practical kind of stuff but it should also include an understanding of company culture um and again as I said that level of social socialization so there should be I mean, again, in a good onboarding experience and just to to kind of finish off what onboarding is, there should be definitely a level of mentorship or coaching that will help it ease a new employee into their role and and into the organization. I was thinking about onboarding and last weekend, a gentleman I know is telling me about his son. So they moved over to Scotland and he was saying when one of the sons went into the school, he was going to school. So firstly, it was a traumatic experience to go to a new school, go to a new country, etc. And then when he went to the school, they had him in the wrong class. And he came home to his parents. He's like, kind of go, I'm pretty sure I'm in the wrong class. I shouldn't be taking some of these subjects. And the school didn't rectify it for like nearly a week. And the kid came back and he was to his dad. He was like, dad i'm still in the wrong class and he got he got he looks at his son and his son just bursts out crying right and the reason i'm saying that is i was thinking and as i said this to him i know companies that do that to people where they bring them in they promise them their sun moon and stars and then the person gets in they're not onboarded they don't have a computer ready They don't even know where they're sitting inside the organization. So they feel totally dissociated from the organization. Totally unimportant. Yeah. And isn't it such an important aspect, the onboarding process and actually having somebody maybe dedicated to doing that is so important in an organization. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because you can imagine, even, even that young, you know, that young person example you gave there, like anyone who's starting a new role, right? No matter who you are, the first day, is always going to be nerve wracking. You're always going to feel, you know, 
um nervous and like you're the new person and you're trying to look like you know what you're doing but it's it's really really stressful and you can imagine I mean I've heard horror stories not horror stories I mean that's probably a bit of an exaggeration but of people who you know start an organization like you said oh yeah I can't wait to have you on board blah 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 filled in all the paperwork can't wait to get you started and they arrived in and like that you know not even that there's no computer for them sometimes it's like you're getting secondhand computer I've heard of people who had a desk and it was covered in like food crumbs and stuff from the person before and all that kind of horrible stuff that makes you kind of think, have I made the right decision to come here? Because that again, that's a decision that's, you know, if you've got that thought on the first day or the first three days or whatever in a new role, that's very hard to come back from. If that's your initial thought about, oh my God, I, I think I've made a, the wrong decision. Maybe I should start looking for something else. Do you know, so it's really important. I was laughing. I was thinking like the breadcrumbs and they see like a chalk outline. <laughs> A chalk outline of the person that went before them. But there's good news. There's good news as well, Janet, with this, because the flip side is if you do it right, it can have dramatic impact in an organization. Oh, massive. So like that, as you're saying, the good news really is the research does suggest that like um, the stats are kind of like about 69, 70 percent of employees who have a really good positive experience are more likely to remain with the employer for three years, which is a great stat. Um, but then, as we were saying, you know, the downside is, you know, if it's about 17% or up to 20% of new hires leave during the first three months. So that's that kind of, those, those stats are really important about how important this onboarding process is, do you know? Um, and like, you know, it, it has to be something that companies really invest in because it's such a costly business to underestimate the importance of it. And when you think about it, it's not just, okay, we have to replace this person now because they've left. It's about going through the whole recruitment process again, getting a person in, getting them trained again, if they leave within three months is massive. So attrition is a huge thing. So the onboarding process has to be kind of brought to the forefront of providing that really good upfront experience that encourages people to stay with the organization, if not forever, at least for an, enough of an amount of time that you're not constantly, you know, hiring and rehiring and retraining people um, over and over, because it's not only the person who leaves, it's the people then that have to retrain them as well. So you're thinking it's double the amount of resources that have been wasted to it too. So it's, it's, it's definitely, you can definitely not underestimate the cost of it. It's almost invisible in, in some ways where, oh, you go to the leadership and you're like, oh, we need to invest in somebody to have, you know, a certain amount of time depending on your your recruitment schedule to onboard people because this is but instead what's usually done is it's usually somebody's voluntold to do this and then they're not doing it with the full knowledge even you know and, and small stuff like yeah. you know the canteen on on a th tuesday they serve uh, banoffee pie you love that you know little little bits <laughs> that are so important to make yeah, somebody feel yeah. yeah and and there is knowledge there that can be passed on that's just often forgotten about. I wanted to throw in a, a curveball for you. So I wanted, I thought about, I, I have a process that I do in my work in innovation. I call it reverse onboarding. And what it essentially means is as you become more and more used to an organization, you, you, you don't, you start to not notice things that could be awry or a miss. And the longer you're there, the more you miss these things. And the reverse onboarding process is if you do hire somebody, what I used to do was, particularly if they were a younger person coming into an organization, in, in, instead of kind of programming in the way things are done around here, it's like, going, you're going to see stuff that we're so used to we're going to miss. And I'd love you to come to us in six weeks and present back where are the weak links? What could we be doing better? What you might have seen in a different organization that you could bring to us? 
there's a value in their difference that they're bringing to the organization as well as you showing them the way things are done around here there's there's a sweet spot between those two things and i think it's kind of like to you know because obviously i work in the world of learning and we learn so much from learners do you know what i mean on our learning materials and our, our how we deliver our training and all that other kind of stuff and um, so getting feedback from people who have recently been through the experience is such a great way to keep it up to date or as you said to kind of find out the things that that might be missing because you know when you're it's kind of that you don't see the wood for the trees thing isn't it when you're in an organization for a long time you, you don't see the things that are missing and it's great to get that insight but i think also in relation to that i think it's so nice for the new employee to be able to give that feedback because it makes them feel more invested in the process as well but also like they're being listened to in the organization so what what better way to start in an organization with you know, we really value your opinion on this. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to ask for it and we're going to do something about it. I mean, what a brilliant way to start somebody to feel that they're part of the culture of the organization straight away, you know? Um, and that's definitely something, you know, we, we've been looking at. Again, I'll talk a little bit about, I suppose, our learn about research, but it, it's that learning from the new people and then giving back and constantly improving the experience that's so valuable. You mentioned there the learn about research. I'd love you to share that because this really puts some shape on the conversation we're having. One more thing, because... We've talked about kind of the challenges of not doing it. We've talked about the benefits of doing it and how the stats show that how beneficial that is. But in a working world, so people have seen this and, you know, unfortunately, we've seen this kind of swell of lots of hires during the COVID pandemic. And then some of those tech firms letting people go as a result of overhiring. But I, I wondered sometimes as well, I wonder, like, was it? Was it just that they were overhiring or was the on online, if you want to call it that, or virtual or hybrid onboarding process a challenge? And your research and your interest in this field shows that it, it has a lot of challenges. Oh, massive. Well, I mean, just exactly what you said there, Aidan, in relation to the pandemic, you know, we know, and I'm not going to go into this, people know this already, engagement is such a huge issue. Like, it's really hard. It can be really hard to engage people in the online space, especially over a long period of time, and especially if they're feeling isolated. So there's obviously a whole well-being issue there as well that wasn't being explicitly addressed, I think, by organizations. But now they're realizing, OK, if we've got people working at home or even not, you know, getting people back into the office, if that's the case, you know, we have this well-being thing that we need to make sure that people feel safe in the environment environment that they don't feel isolated if they are at home that they're part of everything um and i think like there's lots of ways i think to kind of improve i mean there are challenges but i think there are also a lot of opportunities but i think you know key to really providing a good like remote onboarding experience or even any kind of online experience really is you know start with setting your expectations you know make sure the new employees know what they should be doing and when and i think that's not even when they're new as as they go over time you know how much time is expected for you to be online and all that kind of stuff so that people are aware of what the expectations are and they're not doing the thing that we know that people did during the pandemic where the lines between being at home and being at work were really blurred and people were and still probably are you know working late into the evening or expecting to be online you know when when they wouldn't if they were leaving an office environment so again i think setting expectations really important setting up meetings with specific purposes is really important like i think again during the pandemic it was sort of like expected we're going to have loads of online meetings and you have to come to all of them and you know people again we know all about zoom fatigue you know and people being online all the time like i think it's you need to kind of set up what the expectation is around the kind of meetings you need to go to um and that there's a purpose in it but uh, to be honest with you i think that's the case in a face-to-face in -a -face environment as well do you know not getting invited to every single meeting for no reason but um and again regular check-ins with the manager and mentor is really important just to make sure that people are feeling supported 
But again, as I said earlier on, like the socialization aspect can be really challenging. Um, but like with the right tools and stuff, we can definitely do it. So like at Learnivate, you probably know this, Aidan, because we've talked about it before, but we would use, use things like Slack for informal communication. But we've been doing like weekly challenges during the pandemic, um, which has been really nice to kind of, we've learned an awful lot about each other, actually, that I, and in a way, I don't think we would have necessarily done that if we were still in, in a fully office environment. But we've definitely made loads of time for social events. We do, you know, Netflix watch parties sometimes, or, or you know, we're really big fans in Learnivate of 30 seconds. So we do that through Zoom and we're all quite... um you know competitive but it feels like we're still part of the team while we're having a bit of a laugh as well and I think that kind of stuff's really important um and again just to kind of close out what I think the challenges are before I talk a little bit about the opportunities but I think you know one of the challenges in, in the online space is instilling that company culture which you know you know we've discussed in the past and I think like I think that can be a challenge in the office space too right because having posters around the office about what your company's vision and values are are great but like how do you authentically instill the culture in your employees so again kind of what we were saying earlier about you know you were saying about your reverse onboarding it's learning from the people that are coming in and, and making it a collaborative experience so like at learn of it we've been working together to identify our own vision and our values and then we all agree on those um and and what they are and how we live them daily so again it's not about oh our company values this and the person in the organization is kind of like yeah well whatever I don't really live that day to day I think it's it's about involving you know people and the workforce um in making these decisions as much as possible which really is motivating for them and ensures that they really do get a good understanding of of what the company culture is in a real and authentic sense um and then provide them with examples of how to live the culture but I think you know I've talked a lot about there about challenges and stuff Aidan but I think the other side of it too is something that's really interesting is that the remote or the, I suppose the relation, you know, in relation to COVID in particular, a lot of people were obviously onboarded remotely um, and even at Learnivate, you know, the same with us. But what I think, too, is it provides a lot of opportunities for, as we were saying earlier, you know, that initial first day nerves or the first few days where you're kind of you could feel overwhelmed. You're getting loads of information or whatever. I think offering it in a remote space does give you a little bit more breathing room. I think it's it's not as stressful as having to walk into a physical space on your first day and meet loads of people and learn loads of stuff and feel really kind of, you know, awkward and all that kind of stuff. In the online space, you, you do feel a bit more relaxed. You do feel like you're in your home environment. You're engaging with people for a purpose. You're having meetings, you know, over a period of time you're learning what your expectations are and all that kind of stuff so it is a little bit I think it's a bit of a softer land and I think that's something that's nice to know about you know remote or hybrid onboarding that can be really beneficial so it's not all about the challenges it's about well what what does it offer as well you know what, what can be different yeah and we saw that during the pandemic with say learning and with children for example I, I experienced it myself running workshops that oftentimes after the workshop you talk to the your main contact for the workshop and they'd go janet was great in that session she usually doesn't talk as much and what would happen then is they'd say oh it, it's because they were that person was in their own environment and they felt more secure and they all they had to do was adapt to the to the new information rather than new environment as well and i found that really really fascinating but let, let's build on what we're saying and Let's then put it, if we zoom out and we kind of go, okay, in the context of the pandemic and what it did, not just to onboarding, but to the working world, there was the great resignation, as we know, that's been renamed as well. I'll let you tell our audience about that because they may not have heard that, which is probably actually more accurate. So maybe you'll take it from here about the impact of the pandemic on the entire working world. 
what was being called the Great Resignation. I think it's now been called like the Great Talent Reshuffle, according to Forbes. Anyway, when I was reading something the other day, um, which is really interesting because the stats are like something like over four million employees or Americans, excuse me, quit their jobs in February. So, and more than half of them are who quit are actually switching their their occupation their field of work completely rather than leaving the la- the labor market which i think is really interesting i think it's it's the pandemic has offered the opportunity for people to take a look at what they're doing as we know and go you know what what is what am i prioritizing here am i in the right job for myself is it giving me the right you know work life balance and all that kind of stuff um so i think that means that onboarding into new roles and new organizations is even more vital than it was before in keeping employees because again if we're not talking about the great resignation where lots of really talented employees are leaving the workforce they're going somewhere else and organizations if they want to keep the good people need to make sure that they're doing the right things and they're offering them the right stuff and i think you know, I was I was reading another like kind of MIT Sloan management review um, the other day um, and they did some sort of like a research with I think it was 34 million U.S. workers who left their jobs um, and they found that they're quitting because of like broader issues related to the culture of the company. So I think that, again, when we talk about onboarding, you know, that's a huge part of the onboarding is to try and instill that company culture. So if we're not doing that well, the stats are there to say that people aren't going to stay, you know, um, and the Microsoft Microsoft Work Trend Index um, from 2022, they refer to something they call the employee worth it equation, which I think is quite interesting. And it shows that now like 47 percent, so nearly 50 percent of respondents say they're more likely to put family and personal life over work than they were before the pandemic. And I think that's really, really interesting. Like, you know, and again, like, you know, onboarding has such a massive part to play in that company culture. And I think organizations who don't prioritize it, they run the risk, as I said, of losing those really valuable employees. Um, but even if they're not doing, you know, necessarily a, a really structured onboarding program, I think we have to look at organizations who aren't providing a level of flexibility or flexible learning programs or onboarding programs that take into account, you know, employees time. And as I said, like well-being as well, because if, if they don't do that, they run the risk of falling flat and losing people. Um, and people aren't willing to stick around anymore if they don't feel valued by organizations definitely more so than before the pandemic I think you know especially organizations who said no there's no remote working we have fully in the office or whatever and then you know it was proved that it could be done and I think people who were now been forced back into the office are kind of reevaluating now and going do you know what I, I might be more interested now in working somewhere that offers me some level of, of flexibility. We've talked about the research and we've talked about the challenges but one of the beautiful pieces of information that you infused into your prep for today's interview was the concept some people might not know of it's either called proximity bias or distance bias this plays a role in onboarding particularly in a hybrid environment for people who don't know i just think it's such an interesting topic like distance bias in the workplace is essentially like unintentionally favoring employees who are closest to you over those who are further away so as you can imagine i mean i've been working from home for a long for a long time even before the pandemic um and sometimes felt that oh am i a bit sort of am i a bit far removed from everyone who's who's constantly sort of in the office but i think you know I definitely think that's become a bigger issue now because, you, as you can imagine, like it can be an issue with employees who work remotely, um, even and and often when the organisation isn't isn't even aware of it, that, and that's the problem because proximity bias can have serious consequences for a business, like include like lower productivity, employee engagement, decreased attrition. Do you know? Um, and it's similar to what can happen with a poor onboarding experience. But I think this, 
the, the research suggests that like managers are more likely to give people who work on site like higher raises, bigger bonuses, more promotions compared to the co-workers who work remote, remotely. So it's, it's kind of that out of sight, out of mind thing. Do you know if you're if you don't see someone regularly and they're not sort of within your your area in which like physically um, that they're, they're, you're not there, like you do kind of feel that distance. Um, and, I, and it has those real consequences of, you know, people who are working remotely aren't getting the same opportunities. I was even chatting to somebody recently who, when, we, when I talked a little bit about this and she was saying in her organization, she wasn't aware of it at all, that actually she felt that perhaps she was given the better projects or the more interesting projects or the time, the kind of ones that were kind of, you know, more urgent to the people in the office because just because the person who's working remotely didn't really enter into her mind a lot of the time, which I think is really you know, like totally fascinating. But Again, I think, you know, it's something that if organizations are aware of it, they'll probably involve remote workers more explicitly in discussions and conversations um, that can mitigate some of these negative outcomes of that distance bias. And I think one of the tips that I was reading online recently around that is is, is about making all meetings virtual first, right? So like, like ensuring the technology is already set up to support anyone who's going to join remotely, because you sometimes find that like the first 10 minutes of a meeting could be like, oh yeah, I forgot Janet's at home. Okay, hang on, we need to set up the tech, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and, and then you're starting to feel a little bit like, you know, you're a hassle or, you know, sometimes you kind of feel like going, ah, just go ahead without me, do you know, if, it, if, it's, if it's a pain. So I think to make everyone feel included, adopting this virtual first approach really, really helps and make sure, and especially in a hybrid work environment where there'll always be some people dialing in, do you know, to, to meetings and stuff like that. So again, an awareness of it's, it for an organization is, is really, really valuable, but then trying to make sure that everyone feels included is really important. That aspect of bias is so fascinating. I spoke recently to a lady called Joan C. Williams, and she's written a book called Bias Interrupted. And she was telling me about this that it's even like the whole idea of the boys club in an organization, hopefully the organization of yesteryear, but you golf, you go golfing with the boss or the golf, the, the, the boss is like a rugby fan and you go and you go to the, you support the same team or even to something more subtle where the boss smokes and you go for a smoke with the boss that putting yourself in that club gives you access to opportunities and then you couple that with distance bias and somebody has an advantage that is invisible but always plays out to to their advantage i just find that absolutely fascinating hopefully it's in the past janet hopefully that's in the past and that gives me a nice segue to go what about the future how do you see this playing out because you've looked at your own research with the learnvate center and you've uncovered some fascinating insights. Yeah, so we, we've done all the research. We've looked to see what the challenges are. We've we've interviewed people. We've done a huge amount of research in the space. And we have a great research working group as well, Aidan. Like we've four organizations. We've like Apply Synergies, Orient Learning, Learning Pool and CERC, which is the Southeastern Regional Colleges. And they have been really great in providing us insights in what they see as the challenges and the potential solutions around what we can do with onboarding. And I think what we've started to kind of develop out is we have wireframes for a solution that allows the new employee access to the, just their entire onboarding experience in one place. So it's not about the learning, you know, the, the LMS, it's not about the HR, it's just focused entirely on onboarding so that they know that when they go into the platform, that everything relating to what they need for onboarding is in there. So within that too, we've kind of set it up where they have access to mentors. There's that social element. So access, access to social groups, um, you know, particular things that you might be interested in, probably not necessarily a whole golfing group, Aiden, but there might be one for like, if you're interested in 
you know, cinema, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But at least you get to chat to people who are interested in the same things. And then also including links to the learning path. So it could be integrated with a learning management system. But what we developed too is like we have to obviously focus on the new employee massively and give them a really good experience but we also need to make sure that the organization is getting what they want out of an onboarding experience and making sure as i said people are getting up and running as quickly as possible so what we've developed out it has a kind of a manager dashboard so the the new employee's manager has access to how they're getting on and it also helps to flag if they're stuck on something or if they need encouragement or support because again when people are working remotely you they might be disengaging and you don't even know so i think it's good to be able to have access to that kind of information and to, to come up to someone and say, look, if you need a hand with anything, just shout. Or if there's anyone, you know, that you feel like you can reach out to go ahead. Um, so I think, again, you know, from the research and from the discussions with a research working group, we've learned like the importance of that social element, um, particularly, as I said, in that online space where it's not necessarily very explicit. So we need to make opportunities online for our empl- employees to socialize and get to know the get to know their co-workers and um, because often you could be working with someone online for ages and know nothing about them so it's it's you know trying to make that more explicit through an onboarding experience I think can be really helpful um and again as you said Aiden you know encouraging new employees to provide feedback on that experience again helps us to learn and iterate and continuously improve um our solutions for future employees and I think the more we can learn from each other about wor- what works well and what can be improved is vital to the success of any onboarding program or any program in general. John, before we finish up, what's next for that project? I'd love to know where where it's going next because I'm sure your mind is racing with it where to bring it next. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's something that, you know, I've been working on for a while and I absolutely love the topic. And, you know, especially coming from an L&D environment and knowing how things should work and stuff, it would be so nice. I mean, we're, as I said, we've got to develop out the wireframes. We've loads of research done. What we'd love is for, you know, to commercialize it or work with an organization who take on the solution that we've wireframed um, and to build it out because it would be so exciting. And especially for me as a researcher who has done the research and we've done a lot of the the kind of heavy lifting on it to see something being developed that can really help in this space would be really exciting for us. So yeah, I'd suggest anyone interested in, in this topic or, you know, in onboarding in general or wanted to chat about it, definitely get in touch with us. Um, but definitely, if anyone would be interested in, in looking at this as a solution or even as a complement to their current um, offerings in the space, whether it be learning management systems or whatever, would love to hear from anyone. So it's Janet.Benson at LearnOfateCenter.org. And that's it for another episode of the Inside Learning Podcast brought to you by the LearnOfate Center in Trinity College, Dublin. We were joined today by Learning Lead, Senior Researcher in the LearnOfate Center, Janet Benson. Janet, thank you for joining us. Thanks a million, Aidan. Inside Learning is brought to you by the Learnovate Centre in Trinity College, Dublin. Learnovate is funded by Enterprise Ireland and IDA Ireland. Visit learnovatecentre.org to find out more about our research on the science of learning and the future of work.